Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro and I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A Group at Stike Malley. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome Michael Demp. Michael is the Vice Chair at National Bank and until recently was the CEO of BDC. Michael, thank you for joining us and welcome. Nice to be here, Mario. I like your stuff. <laughs> thank you. Michael, we always start by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, about their history, about what they do. And so I'd love to start by learning a little bit more about yourself and your work in National Bank and at BDC. Sure. I won't give you the full history, but I live in Montreal now, born and raised in Toronto, went to school outside of the country, but came back to start work kind of way back in 1987. I was McKinsey for about 14 years. Then I moved to Montreal and I worked with Bombardier CGI and I was president of Accenture Canada's business for a number of years. And that led to six years at BDC. And now it's been almost a year and a half at National Bank. So I don't have that type of private equity, mid-market street cred measure that you have, but certainly at BDC, I've been kind of very busy in the world of mid-market lending, uh, investing, advising. So I'm doing my best to catch up, but I think you're still pretty far ahead of me. <laughs> well, you know, you have a unique role at National Bank and, you know, there's a particular focus for you. And I want to mean, tell us a little bit about the role that you're playing in National Bank and what you're trying to push forward for the bank. So the role, it's called a vice chair role, Mario, and most of the banks have vice chairs. What's different about my role is that I spent half my time in our investment bank financial markets group and half my time in the commercial bank, which is where most of our mid-market clients sit. And the reason that I joined National Bank and why I'm, I'm really happy being there is that we have a strategy in place, which is to really grow our presence, our brand, our visibility, our business outside of Quebec. And we've got a very, very strong position in Quebec, which the other banks are envious of. But there's so much more opportunity for us in Ontario, Alberta, British Columbia. And again, the focus of our bank is on the entrepreneur, the business owner, both from a kind of personal and family financial perspective, as well as a, a business perspective, trying to bring the best of what we do, which is good, to help those entrepreneurs succeed in business, succeed financially, succeed personally. And I fit into that strategy with my colleagues outside of the province of Quebec. So far, so good. We're um, being successful. We're agile. We're creative. We move quickly. We've got great capabilities to tap into. So I've been really pleased so far, Mary, with the progress that I've seen and been part of over the past 14, 15 months. And Michael, you highlighted that you've been focused on really those mid-market owner operators and businesses. I want to get your perspective on what you're seeing in the market. And obviously, it's been a bit of a interesting 15 months, to say the least, with all the macroeconomic forces. And, and then now with interest rate increases, I want to get a sense from you and what you're seeing in the market and how you at the bank are responding and just your perspective on what's going on out there and then how are the mid-market businesses holding up? So uh, yeah, it's been a uh, crazy last nine or 12 months and our chief economist, a gentleman called Stéphane Marion, kind of prides himself over the past few decades of being about 80% right when it comes to forecasting specific aspects of the macro economy. He's the first to admit that over the past nine or 12 months, his accuracy rate is kind of well below 50%. And that's true, I think, for all economists that are trying to forecast where we're going to be. But what's interesting, Mario, is you look at today's environment and in many ways, and again, North America is very different to Europe. So I'm just talking about North America. In many ways, a lot of the supply chain issues have begun to sort themselves out. The automotive segment is kind of getting back to normal. This week, a lot of the CEOs of semiconductor chip companies are saying we're kind of getting back to normal in terms of supplies. So the copper price is down to where it's been historically. So the supply chains are starting to function again. And the one thing that we're all, including uh, Tiff Macklin, Jerome Powell, are focused on is just the labor market. And uh, it continues to remain very tight. The numbers you saw last week were showing great job growth in Canada and in the U.S. 
And it's that tightness that is, I think, the residual and important concern for the economy as it relates to inflation and that in turn, how it relates to interest rates. So the good news is we made some collectively real progress in terms of supply chain, a lot of supply interruptions, but we have some issues where we're still, it's still not clear at what pace we're progressing in terms of the labor market. And as a result of that, Mario, it's not that clear what's going to happen with interest rates. But most forecasters predict there may be a slight increase coming up. We'll probably have today's rate environment-ish for maybe the next couple of quarters. And then again, based on the data that comes in, maybe at that point, we'll be able to see a kind of relaxation of rates. But what strikes me is, to your question, is how uh, resilient owner-operators, mid-market entrepreneurs are. And I see a lot of them coast to coast. And they're still planning, they're still growing, they're still investing, they're still improving. And notwithstanding the fact that uh, kind of rates are up and inflation's up, they're still seeing lots of opportunities. And uh, I think you're super busy right now. We remain quite busy. And it's uh, it's encouraging to see this resilience kind of translated into improvement, growth, investments, et cetera. Michael, one of the things that you hit on it already that I've noticed that maybe it's a sign of age because I remember 08 and I remember 2000, which kind of gives up a bit of the age. But uh, at those times, the banks went to the sidelines. But people talk about, you know, concerns about the recession, the big R word and all. But, you know, what I've noticed in the last six, 12 months, banks are still going strong. Like they're lending, they're active, they're out there. And it, I want to get your perspective from a national bank perspective, but I've seen national bank business as usual. I could have it wrong, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems as though at the moment it's full steam ahead. But let me know if you've kind of pivoted or from a bank perspective in terms of your activity, looking at things differently, but it seems, you know, full steam ahead. What you try to do as a bank, I mean, all, all Canadian banks are actually quite good at this, is you try to keep the same kind of risk sweet spot over the course of cycles. So you should be making good risk decisions based on whether the cycle's heading up, the cycle's heading down. And that's what we're trying to do. The one thing though we're probably doing more of than would have been the case is we're just trying to stay very, very close to our clients. And I encourage all of our clients that the more transparent and open and proactive you can be with your banks, uh, the better. Because we kind of see that proactivity as, a, as someone, the individual understands their business, they've done their forecast, they see their models, they've done their scenario plans, they see where the areas of risk are, and they come forward and discuss and disclose and describe those risk scenarios so that they can get the banks and other financial partners on side to be ready in the event that things get tough. So the advice that I give um, owner-operators and entrepreneurs, Mario, is do the modeling, do the scenario planning see what it tells you, but be very transparent with your financial partners, because again, we want to be close to our clients. We want to help them get through these times. And the more warning and the more forecasting and the more transparency that we and other banks have, frankly, the better it is for the entrepreneur. To the point earlier that you raised, Michael, like I've definitely seen, you know, National Bank be more active in the mid-market year, you know, it's wrong where I'm at and definitely be a part of more processes, want to be involved, want to be both from an M&A, from a banking, from a you know loan perspective. And I'm curious, what are you doing to get out there and in front of owners? How are you, as I like to say, raising the flag to the mid-market owner? What's the sweet spot? Or maybe I'm asking you for the secret sauce. <laughs> well, you know, like you don't like, have to give me the secret sauce. Yeah, the secret sauce, it's always talent, right? And so what we've been able to do is, and you would have seen this, is over the course of the past two years, we've significantly upgraded our talent here in Toronto and in Ontario. And what's unique about our model, Mario, is that we have a almost a shared team that focuses on mid-market and small corporate clients. So the types of skills and capabilities that a mid-market client get access to 
are kind of first rate, best in class. We've got great people that we pointed on the mid-market segment. And as a result, and this is kind of differentiating, our clients get access to that. And as you know, through people like you and um, kind of YPO and Fora like that, word travels pretty quickly. And uh, a lot of entrepreneurs that are in the market looking to do things, financing raises, M&A, et cetera, have got wind of the fact that we've got this great team. We're looking to work hard. We're looking to expand. We're looking to be creative and do things that perhaps are a little bit out of the ordinary. And that's who we are here. And the word's got out. It's serving us well. And I think from what I've heard, our clients are kind of really pleased with the work we've done and the support we've provided them. And I know that National Bank has really been building out across Canada and you've been really focused on having a market presence and a sense from you that focus on talent. But when you enter into the local marketplaces and you've been out there with the owners and all, is there any kind of market trends or takeaways that you're seeing, given the focus on getting in front of the mid-market owners the last couple of years? You know what's interesting? We're quite active as a U on M&A. And in my discussions with the team and across the country, I've been talking about that because in many ways, with the uncertainty and the rates, et cetera, now shouldn't be that an attractive time for a lot of M&A activity, but there's tons going on, as you know. And what's interesting is you kind of look at the reasons why acquisitions are taking place. And it's a slightly different set of reasons that we've seen historically. So what I've picked up, Mary, if you just indulge me for a second, are five things that seem to be driving this level of activity. And the first is, and Minister Freeland used this term, friend-shoring recently, which is kind of a neat term, but it talks about how with all the geopolitical uncertainty, supply chains are getting reconfigured from places that have geopolitical risk to places that have less geopolitical risk. So you see a lot of stuff happening now in North America. But for an owner-operator, mid-market company, entrepreneur to get access to these new supply chains, that company has to be super productive. And what you're finding is there's a lot of M&A taking place to kind of get the scale, to get that to access the technology so as to be productive. And once productive, you can earn the right to be part of these new supply chains. So with the markets changing and the French showing occurring, there are supply chain opportunities. You need to be productive. And to get more productive, we're seeing M&A. The second thing we're seeing, and this was particularly pronounced six, nine months ago, is that uh, it was just hard to be in some businesses. It was just a hassle. It was hard to find people, hard to find materials. And people concluded wisely that there was no need to be afraid to shrink. And that led to a lot of companies deciding to divide it, divest, which in turn, the flip side, triggered a lot of acquisition activity. The third thing we're seeing is the tightness of the labor market is here to stay. Canada's trying to welcome 500,000 new people to the country, which will help. And Quebec is going to be a relatively small subset of those. So labor markets are tight. They're getting tighter. And what you're seeing is a lot of, you know, the term aqua-hire, where companies are being bought, in many cases, because it's just a quick, rapid way, but expensive, rapid way to get access to the talent and capacity that companies need to grow. So aqua-hire is driving a lot of the M&A activity. And a couple of the end, one more thing, which is also interesting, there'd been a trend for 20 or so years of companies focusing on their particular sectors or industries or niches and using adjacent partners to deliver value propositions to their clients. So what's happening is as certain parts of the supply chain were underperforming, companies that had a, like a delivery service proposition to their clients couldn't meet that because the partners just weren't there. So you see lots of integration. The chemicals client of ours bought a trucking company. Because the value proposition of the client was kind of high quality chemicals goals delivered on time. And the only way to do that was to own the transportation leg as well. I get an interesting, almost like a 1970s horizontal integration type of idea to give companies control over what they need to meet the value proposition is another thing that's been driving M&A. So I'm going on a little bit, probably too much detail for your listeners, Mario, but I just find it interesting because there's lots of M&A activity, but it's being driven by 
a fundamentally new set of factors which haven't been with us really as a package before. And I just find that very interesting as a trend. Well, you kind of hit on where I was hoping to spend some time with. So I'm going to kind of go direct, which is one of the things I always like about the Canadian banks. They do a lot of research to get in deep. They obviously have teams, really strong research teams. You have a great perspective on what's to come. So I'm going to take advantage of your bank resources, if I could, for a minute to talk a bit about where you see the market going, both from a bank perspective and both from a personal perspective, because you're out there on the front lines and obviously trying to grow the business yourself and really interact to get in front of mid-market owners. So if I can ask you a bit about what you're seeing both at the bank in terms of thoughts and ideas about where this market is going, and then also yourself, just in your own work, where you see the market going. So we talked about the macro economy before, and I think there's, again, a period where rates will stay maybe slightly higher than where they are now, and that may take us through the next couple of quarters, which I think means the growth for much of 2023 is going to be relatively flat. But then we're optimistic, geopolitics permitting, that the environment come 2024 will be much better. Again, we see continued trends toward key sectors like healthcare, given the aging of the population. Digitization is going to continue. It was really accelerated during COVID. That's going to continue. And one thing, Mario, that I think is really interesting is, this is the third trend, is whatever your political views are, I think the tailwinds behind clean energy, clean tech, et cetera, are going to be with us for a long time. And we see that in the level of private and public fundraising activity for clean tech companies, which is really high right now. You see the effects of the Inflation Reduction Act already last week of a South Korean solar manufacturer that's investing billions, I think, in Arizona or Georgia to create capacity in the U.S. And I think a big driver of economic activity is going to be around a clean tech transition, et cetera. And it kind of excites me because I think Canada is so well situated in terms of the companies we have, the resources we have, the technology we've created. That's going to be a great tailwind for not just the sector, but the economy. And I think lastly, this labor issue I mentioned before is going to be with us, notwithstanding more immigration. And companies just need to come to terms with that and plan accordingly and invest and automate and become productive to do more with fewer people. Because again, there's going to be no let up in terms of how tight the labor markets are, frankly, across the country. Michael, it sounds like, you know, for a guy like me, I I love these stories when I hear people being somewhat optimistic about the M&A world, because that's how I make a living. (laughs) But Don's from both from a bank and a personal perspective, you're somewhat optimistic about M&A activity, given what you see at the bank and in your work. We would love to get your perspective on it. It sounds like you're feeling pretty good about the M&A market. Yes. By my nature, Mario, I'm an optimistic guy. And having spent, <laughs> again, not quite as long as you, but the past, what, seven or so years, kind of working shoulder to shoulder with entrepreneurs and owner operator, I just know how resilient, how focused, how successful they've been. And that's something that I know we bank on because that's the segment we focus on and we know they'll be successful. And with their success, it comes our success. Michael, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been great to get your perspective and hear about National's plans for growth and what you're seeing in the M&A market. And thank you for participating on the podcast and being a guest. Meryl, thanks for having me. I enjoyed the conversation.